0: We're we'll turning your Bibles to Luke chapter ten. Of course, we're continuing our study of the Gospel of Luke, and we're seeing Jesus as the perfect man, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And Jesus is on his way now to Jerusalem. He is bringing his his ministry in the northern part of Israel to an end. He's on his way to go and die on the cross to pay for sin and rise again. He's come as the Savior. This morning we're continuing. There are going to be two, I think, two powerful areas we'll look at. One is we call it learning and, ser- and then serving Jesus. Because we're going to look at Mary and Martha. We're He goes into the home of Martha, and we see sort of a contrast between sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning, and then Martha serving, and we're going to see what Jesus says about that. Second thing we're going to look at is the Lord's Prayer, and how do we pray, and and what about it? Because it's a famous prayer, which is really better named as the disciples' prayer, because they said, teach us to pray, and He said, okay, here's how you should pray, and so it's something for us. And these tie together as we think about spending time with our Savior, that we can know Him and serve Him. And and some questions would be, how important is your quiet time, your time with God? And as we study this morning, we're going to see Martha and Mary and learning and thinking about prayer. We'll see some great things. Well, here's a question. What is prayer? I read an article recently where it said this. Someone, Someone said this. It says, prayer is this. Prayer is listening to God. Just be still, and He'll speak to you, and this is prayer. Well, don't you understand I disagree with this? I realize that God speaks to us through his word. This is where we go if we want to hear from God. Prayer is not listening to God. Prayer is talking to God. We come to Him in worship and praise and adoration and and intercession and thanksgiving. That's prayer. And this morning we're going to see that Jesus deals with this subject. They say to him, Teach us to pray, and he says, When you pray, say he didn't say, when you pray, listen. He said, when you pray, you talk. And so this morning, we're going to see Jesus deals with the subject of prayer. And one of his disciples comes and said, teach us to pray. And this is what we often call the Lord's Prayer. We see a model for some things that we can do when we think about praying and we talk to God. So the goal is gain an understanding of prayer. And we're going to see it in a couple of different aspects. Well, let's begin. <clears throat> we realize Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Why? So he can die and rise again. So he can pay for our sins. This morning he comes to the home of Martha. And of course her sister Mary is there. And we're going to see what happens. Because there's Mary listening to Jesus. And Martha is serving Jesus. And we'd say, well, aren't aren't you supposed to do both? I mean, aren't you supposed to serve Jesus? Aren't you supposed to listen? Aren't you supposed to learn? What happens? What does Jesus teach? And as we continue, we're going to see also the model prayer. And there's so much I think we can learn from as we study our passage. Let me break down the passage for you this morning. First of all, verses 38 through 42 is the home of Martha. He comes there. We see Mary listening, Martha serving, and Jesus teaching. Some great things. Then we see the pattern for prayer because the disciples ask Jesus, teach us to pray. And he gives them this model prayer. And the, the first four verses there are verses 2, 3, and 4 actually give us a model. We're going to see even next week that He continues giving them truths about prayer. So a good bit of chapter 11 deals with that, and we'll see some more next time. As we study this morning the importance of knowing Jesus as we seek to serve Him. Now, as we start this first part, where He goes to the home of Mary... I want you to understand this, the importance of knowing Jesus. And when I say this, I'm not talking about knowing Him as Savior, because you know Him as Savior simply by faith. You trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. I'm talking about a different aspect of knowing Him, and that's through the fellowship. The same as when Paul, who as as a believer, said that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. So we're talking about knowing Him in our fellowship, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. There's a problem sometimes for us. And that is sometimes we get so busy, we get so busy doing our own thing, and we get so busy serving Him that we don't know Him. Now, we're supposed to serve Him, there's no doubt, but we're going to find something comes first. And that before we can actually serve Him, we have to know Him. We have to know God in His Word before we can serve Him. In fact, I put it this way, we must know Him before we can make Him known. We must gain from Him before we can give to others. We must be getting in and receiving before we can be giving out. So, as we study, we're going to see this contrast between the two sisters, Martha and Mary. Both are special. Both are fine. Both are doing the right thing. But we'll see what Jesus has to say. One has chosen the better. And we'll see it as we go through the passage. Well, let's look at it. Look at verse 38. <clears throat> It says, now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now, they were traveling along. In fact, you're going to see they're getting very close to Jerusalem because Martha and Mary and her brother Lazarus all lived in this little village village called Bethany, which was pretty close to Jerusalem. And it says, they were traveling along. He entered a village. It's the village of Bethany. And a woman named Martha welcomed him. The word welcome there means she asked him to be her guest. She wanted him to stop. In fact, she probably said, "I want you to come in. I'm going to fix you a meal. You and the come on in. I want to see you. I want to be with you." Now, these people are not strangers to Jesus. A lot of times, best we can tell when we look at the scripture over and over, that uh, a lot of times when Jesus would go down to Jerusalem, he would stay at the home of Martha. And Mary and Lazarus. Now, you remember the brother. See, there's Martha, who we're going to see obviously owns this home. We'll talk about it. And then there's Mary, the sister. And then there's Lazarus, the brother. And Lazarus is famous because he's the one that died. And Jesus waited until he'd been dead four days, came down there, and then raised him from the dead. So they're famous. It's famous for all of us. And so Jesus comes as a guest to Martha's home. And, and there are a lot of questions because we'd say, why is it her home? Because let's think about it. In that culture in that day, if that was the family home, it would be Lazarus' home. Because Lazarus is the brother. The brothers got the property. So if we said, if he said, we came into the home of Lazarus and his sister Martha was there. But that's not what it says. It says it came into a home of, of Martha. It was her home. How does this work? Well, if you look at the Bible and you kind of look around and try to figure some things out, you don't have a lot of information, but we can look and say that she may have been married to a man by the name of Simon who who is probably dead by this time. And so when her husband died, and that's her home now, she's having her sister and brother live with her. That's a good possibility. We don't know any more than that. Look what happens. Now, as they were traveling along, she entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. Now, that's pretty powerful. She has a sister named Mary, seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. Now, she's sitting there. You know what she's doing? She's learning. She's listening to his word. He's teaching. He's giving truth. And she's sitting right there going, tell me some more. Tell me some more stuff. Wouldn't you like to have been there? Wouldn't you like to say, excuse me, I'm going to get right here too. Tell me what's going on. Tell us some truth. Tell us some things about the Bible. She is the lady that later on is going to anoint Jesus for his burial. It's unusual for a woman to be allowed to sit at the feet of the rabbi, the teacher. Mary is sitting at his feet. She's learning. What's Martha doing? I mean, Jesus has come, and let me tell you, what if Jesus came right here? What we would say is, okay, look, everybody stop. What do you got to say? Tell us anything. Tell us. Tell us. Jesus comes into the home, and he's teaching, and Mary's sitting there listening. But what's Martha doing? Well, she's preparing a meal. She's getting everything ready. She's going all over, going, we got to get some of this. We got to wear the napkins. We got to get everything ready. I got to get the stuff. You know, this is, oh, I don't think this is, I think it's a little messy. We got to get this thing fixed up. Mary's listening. Martha's serving. The contrast. Martha's serving. That's fine. Mary's listening. That's better. And we'll see how it fits in a minute. There's an understanding of great truth we're going to see from the passage. Before we can serve, we need to know Him. We need to learn from Him. We need to grow. We need to know Jesus and His Word. And we need to spend time with Him. And we need to be growing in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. Knowing who he is and what he's done, then we serve him. That doesn't mean you don't serve him, but the idea is there you're taking in, you're getting truth, you're learning about Jesus, you're growing in the grace and knowledge of your Savior, and then you serve him. Think about it this way. Before we can serve Jesus, we must know him. And 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 think about this. A, I think there's three things here. We must know him before we can make him known. You've got to know who he is and what he does and and all of this before you begin to proclaim it. And the second thing is we must gain from him before we can give to others because we're taken in. And then the last thing is we must receive before we can give. I mean, think about this. Martha's missing the great thing, the opportunity to learn from Jesus because we learn and we take in and we know truths and then we give it out. Look what happens. Look at verse 40. Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me. Now it says, that. but, look at the contrast. Look at the contrast. Here's Mary sitting at the feet, listening to the word. But, Martha was distracted by all her preparations. Where are the napkins? Where are the good bowls? Where are the stuff? Why is this not fixed over here? Who left that over there? Jesus is here. we got to get this stuff ready. It says she's distracted. Distracted from what? She's distracted by her serving, but she's missing the teaching. She's missing listening to His Word. She's missing knowing Him. In that way. It says, but Martha was distracted with all her preparation. She's so busy getting the meal that she's missing time alone with Jesus. It's so easy for us as believers to be distracted by all the things that's going on. All the things that we want to do. All the things that we think that we miss knowing Him. See, we're supposed to serve Him. But before we serve Him, we got to spend time with Him and know Him. Sometimes we get up and we say, look at all the stuff i got to do today, and all this is for Jesus, and we never spend any time with Him. What does she do? It says, but Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to Him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. She came up to Him, and the way it's written in the Greek, it has an idea of abruptness. It's almost as if she went up and said, Lord, Lord... She just came up as quickly the way it's written. She just came up just like that. And she said, Lord, do you not care? (laughs) You want to say that to Jesus? Do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Literally, it says, do you not care that my sister has left me behind to do all this? She's sitting over here. I'm having to do all the work. Don't you care about that? The way it's written, she's expecting him to say, yes, I do care. She's expecting a yes answer. In fact, she says... Tell her to help me. You know what she's saying? Tell her to stop listening to you and help me get all this stuff ready. Martha wants Mary to stop listening to the teaching and to help get the meal. Now, what's Jesus going to say? He does not say what she expects him to say. She thought he would say, Well, you are right. Mary, what do you think you're doing? Don't you see that Martha's just working herself to death? You ought to be over there helping her because the most important thing here is getting this meal ready. But it is not the most important thing. The most important thing is knowing Jesus, growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ, taking in the truths of the Word of God, spending time with your Savior. That's more important than anything else you can do because before you can do the other things, you have to do this. So what does He say? The Lord answered and said to her, "Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things that ever describe your life. You're worried and bothered. About so many things. What am I going to do tomorrow? Hope I get this. What, what about this? What time am I going to get up? Hope the car works. How am I going to have enough money to do this? How are we going to do? That? We're so worried about so many things. The Lord answered and said to her, and "He uses the double name, Martha, Martha. It's a sign of compassion and love and emotion. He's looking at her, going, Martha, Martha, you are worried." And bothered. The, the word worried has the idea of anxious. It means to be pulled apart. It's like you're, you're being pulled in two different directions. And the word bothered means you're all upset and you're disturbed. He says you are worried and bothered about so many things. He's saying you've got all these things that are bothering you. What time are we going to eat? Where's the table set up? What Do I have the right stuff? Is the food ready? Is it clean enough? You're worried about all these things. But, look at verse 42. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. He says there's only one thing really necessary right now. It's not the food. We can eat anything. I've talked to some people and they say, I'd love to have people over to our house, but we just I've just got to get it cleaned up. i got to get everything ready. I just can't have people come over because it's just not ready yet. The important thing is being with people, not how the house looks. I know it's hard for people to say, well, i got to get the house looking good before I have people over. But, you know, people as a whole don't care. They just want to be with you. Jesus says, Martha, I don't care about the meal. I didn't come here for the meal. I came here to be with you. He says, Mary... There's only one thing really necessary. That's to know Him. To grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Before you can serve Him, you gotta know Him. At this time, Jesus is in the home and He's saying, listen, there's one thing that's necessary. That's to be with me. The need to know comes before the serving. Because you gotta be filled up before you can give out. You gotta know Him. You gotta know what He's like. You've got to know the Word. You've got to know the truths. You've got to know the principles. You've got to know the Word of God so that you can help others, so that you can serve the living God. He said Mary has chosen the good part. Really, it means the good portion. It was a word used for food. You know what he's really saying? Mary's got the best food here. That's the Word of God. You're trying to get all the other food ready, but Mary's got the good food. she got the good portion. she got what's really good. And it's not going to be taken away from Him. We're not going to stop that truth. You have to know Him so you can serve Him. There's an order. Knowing Him and knowing the Word of God. That's it. you got to know Him. <clears throat> That's why it's so important that every day... We have what we often call a quiet time where we get up and we read the Bible and we pray and we talk to Him and we spend time with Him. And we know Him and the power of His resurrection the fellowship of His suffering. We know the Word of God. We know the truths and the principles. And we spend time studying the Word. We know that it's important that we do that so that, second part, is that we can serve Him. Knowing Him, serving Him. That's really the order. Because when you serve Him without knowing Him, you have nothing to give out. Mary was doing fine as a a learner. Martha was doing fine as a server. But Martha was missing the great opportunity. Jesus is not going to stop Mary from doing what she's doing. It's true for us. We all need the time to grow. To know Him. To have our quiet times. Our Bible studies. To grow in knowing Jesus and knowing the Word. In order that we'll be able to make Him known. To help others grow. To help others know truths. We must know Jesus and His Word. So what are we to do? I look at it this way. What are we to do? Two things. Spend time daily knowing the Word. And when I say knowing the Word, I'm talking about knowing Jesus through the Word. You know Him. You know the Word of God. You know how it fits together because He's taught us. He's given us His Word. He told them, well, he told these guys, He said, I'm going away and the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to give you information. He's going to give you the revelation. There are going to be truths. He says there are a lot of things I'd like to teach you, but you can't learn them now. Later on you will. That's the Word of God. We have it. We're to spend time daily knowing Him, knowing the Word, having our quiet time, our Bible study, coming to church, going and taking classes at CBI, and spending time knowing truth from God's Word. And then the second thing is serve Him by using your gifts and your talents and your abilities. Some people say, oh, so all we do is study we don't and know and, and we don't really serve. No, you do both. But you can't serve Him till you know Him. We must be getting in before we can give out. H.L. Williamson said this. He said, we must be ministered to and ministered by the Savior before we can effectively serve Him. Let us know Him daily so we can make Him known daily. Take the time every day to know Him so that when you scatter out into this world as you serve Him, you know the one to proclaim. You know the truth. Well, it's powerful. Well, from this, we move to another thing, and that's dealing with prayer. And it kind of ties together because the idea of spending time with our Savior, and we can do that as we pray and talk to Him and all this. We move to another section here that we often call the Lord's Prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer because the disciples say, the Lord, teaches us to pray, and He said, Okay, when you pray, this is how you pray. Jesus couldn't pray this prayer, by the way, because this prayer says, Forgive us our what? Sins, and he didn't have any sins, to say. This is not his prayer. If you want to see his prayer, go to John 17. John 17 is the Lord's Prayer. It's called the high priestly prayer. It's the prayer that he prays right before he goes to the cross. This is called the disciple's prayer. I know all throughout history we've always called it the Lord's Prayer because he taught them how to do it. Let's look at this. Verse 11, chapter 11, verse 1. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. Now it happened. He was in a certain place, implies that he was by himself, and that when he finished praying, the disciples saw this, and they came to him and said, one of them actually is the spokesman for the rest of the group, said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Just as John taught his disciples, because when John the Baptist was out there, he taught people how to pray, taught his disciples that you ought to pray. And now Jesus' disciples look at him and say, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Prayer is vital, isn't it? I want you to think about uh, four things about prayer. Number one, what is prayer? That's what we're going to look at very quickly. What is prayer? How to pray? We want to talk about answered and unanswered prayer. And then we're going to see the model prayer which is found in these verses. So let's think about the first question, and that is, what is prayer? Well, simply put, prayer is talking to God. Anytime, any place, anywhere about anything, you can pray to God. There are a number of prayers, kinds of different prayers in the Bible. There are those where you're making petition for somebody else or intercession, talking to God, praising Him, thanking Him, worshiping Him, all kinds of things as we pray. So it's just talking to God. And you can talk to Him anytime, any place, anywhere. You can talk to Him out loud. You can talk to Him silently. You can do anything. That's prayer. Number two is, how do we pray? Well, Scripture gives us a, a sort of an idea. Number one, we pray to the Father. You're going to notice in this passage, he says, When you pray, say, Father. We pray to the Father. We pray in the name of the Son. That's why when we get to the end of the prayer, we say something like, In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're coming to God in the name of the Son. He's the only authority that we can approach the living God. He's the intercession for us. And then we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. So that we pray according to the word of God and His power. So it's to the Father, in the name of the Son, in the power of the Spirit. The third thing is just what about answered and unanswered prayer? I believe that God answers all prayers. Sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes the answer is no, and sometimes the answer is wait. There are a couple places in the Bible where it talks about prayer that would have obviously been answered yes, but the answer is no. And he goes on to say why, because number one, maybe it's not according to God's will, but number two, there may be sin in our lives. So sometimes if you say, I'm praying, I'm praying, I know God ought to answer this, why not? Look at your life, is it possibly that you have sin in your life? And it could be that it's just not God's will, and the answer is no. The last thing to look at is the model prayer. And when we look at this prayer, Matthew, if you go to the Matthew Sermon on the Mount, it's much longer than this. In fact, as we read it this morning, some of you'd say, "Well, wait a minute. There's some. Oh, wait a minute. There's more than this, isn't it?" Well, this is what we call the shortened version. So we got the shortened version of the Lord's Prayer. There are no telling how many different times that Jesus taught this and in different ways. I see several aspects of this prayer. I see worship and praise and provision and confession. And protection. I see five key things as we look at this model of prayer. And so let's look at it. We'll look at it very quickly. So I want you to see how it fits together. Look at verse 2. And he said to them. See, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, okay. He said to them, when you pray, say. He said, now when you pray, this is what I want you to say. Because remember, prayer is talking to God. So he says, now when you pray, say. And he starts by saying, Father. Notice we address God as our Father. Father. There's a couple of places that Paul writes later on that he calls him Abba, Father. Abba is a, is a is a child. It's, it's really like saying Daddy. It's an Aramaic word, because in the Aramaic language, when little children were going to be saying Daddy, they'd go Abba, Abba, Abba. What you saying, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy? But they just say Abba, Abba. And so it's like saying Daddy. Now, for the mi- Hebrew mindset to call God your Father, the name YHWH is the Hebrew word for for God, the personal name of God. They wouldn't even say it. They even put two other words together to say something instead of that name. So for a Jewish person, for Jesus to look at them and say, Okay, here's what you say. You say, Father. They go, Father? We call him Father? Yeah, we call him Father. We call him Daddy. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe on his name. We're born in the family of God by faith, and God is our Father. So you approach the Heavenly Father by saying, Daddy, Father. And then he said this. The first aspect is uh, worship. Look what he says. Hallowed be your name. Now the word hallowed means to be set apart. It literally says in the in the Greek, let your name be set apart. See, it's an aspect of worship because we're saying, Lord, you are the set apart one. You're the eternal God. You're the creator of all things. The word set apart has an idea of holiness. He is the holy one, the perfect God. He is the, we worship the holy perfect God. We recognize that he is set apart. He's set apart from his creation. He's not part of his creation. He's set apart from his creation. He is the sinless, perfect God. And so we start off by coming to God and saying, God, let your name be set apart. You are holy and righteous and perfect. You're the almighty God. And we worship you as we come to you. So when you pray to God, and this is not necessarily an order, I think that God says, here's a pattern And you can pray in different kinds of ways, but one thing we can definitely do is to worship Him when we come together. One of the Greek words for prayer, prasukame, is a Greek word which literally means to have your face to the ground. It's an aspect of worship. And so we begin with worship. There's a second thing, and that's praise. Notice what He goes on to say, Your kingdom come. Literally, it says, Let your kingdom come. Or we'd say it this way, may your kingdom come, because see, it's a praise aspect, because he's the king of kings and the lord of lords, and one day he's coming as the king, and he's going to rule the world, and we look at this fallen old world, and we praise God that one of these days, it's going to be fixed. And the king will be here and he'll rule in righteousness and justice. So a second aspect of prayer is praise. We praise him for who he is and what he's done and what he's going to do. And God has this plan as he puts it here. Your kingdom come. He is coming. Let your kingdom come. Praise to the one who rules the whole world. Because one day he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords and he'll rule this world. So we pray, worship and praise. There's a third thing. And and he begins petition by offering and talking about provision. Look what he says. Give us each day our daily bread. The idea is provision. We're asking God to provide. It's okay to go to God and say, would you give me this? Would you give me that? He's saying, ask every day that God would provide you what you need daily. Sometimes we want everything all at one time. I'd like to be provided for for the next year. But He doesn't work that way. He says, day after day after day, you have to trust me. So we pray to him and say, Lord, would you take care of us today? Give us what we need today. He says, I'll provide all your needs. So he's going to take care of us. See, that mindset and that culture, a person worked, and at the end of the day, they got paid. That was their daily provision. He's saying, Lord, take care of us every day. And we're going to have to trust him to provide. And sometimes we look on and say, "Well, what about next month? What's going to happen next year? What's going to happen when this time comes? How are we going to get kids through college? How are we going to do this? How are we going to get a car? How are we going to get to How are we going to do this?" Trust him every day to provide for you and to take. He will meet every need that you have. So when we pray, it's worship and praise and provision. There's a fourth thing, and that's confession. Look at the next verse. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. We confess. We say, Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. As believers, we need forgiveness in fellowship. Now, I want you to understand something. When you trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, you have an eternal relationship with him. And all sins are forgiven in that sense. And we have what we call the forgiveness of sins, Acts 13, 38, Acts 10, 42. And you, that's positionally. But as you go through life experientially in your fellowship with God, not your relationship, relationship never changes, but your fellowship does. And sometimes we get sin in our lives and we break our fellowship and we need forgiveness. And so sometimes we come to God and say, Lord, forgive us. First John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive and cleanse. And that's what he says he does, and so there are times when we pray that we ask for forgiveness, or we confess our sins, or we come to him and say, "Lord, deal." With, we, we give this because he says, "For we also ourselves we forgive others who are indebted to us." We recognize that sometimes people sin against us, and what against us? And what do we do? We're supposed to forgive in the same way that when we come to our heavenly Father, He does that same thing. One other place in the Scripture says, "If you're not forgiving, if you're not forgiving your fellow believer." and you're not in fellowship with him. you're not going to be in fellowship with God. So there's worship and praise and provision and confession. And one last thing is protection. He says, and lead us not into temptation. Literally, it's saying keep us from the temptation. Now, the word temptation can mean trials, trials, or it can mean actually to do wrong. And I think what he's saying is, and what he's saying for us is, Come to me and say, Lord, protect me. Keep me from those situations. Keep me from places and deliver me from situations that will cause me to sin. And as we follow our Savior, He will not lead us into sin. So we could say, Lord, keep me from sinful situations. Keep me out of places where I'm going to fall. We all know there are different areas of weaknesses in our lives. And if you put certain of us in certain places, we're going to mess up. We ought to pray every day, Lord, protect me. Keep me from those kind of things. Help me grow in the grace of knowledge of Christ. Help me follow your word. So that I won't fall into those kind of things. Charles Spurgeon said this. God had one son with no sin. But no sons without temptations. See, even Jesus was tempted. He's our strength. And He's our shield. We can pray for protection from sin. So we worship God who is the Holy One. We praise God who is the coming King. We ask for our daily needs. We confess our sins so we have forgiveness. And we ask for protection from sinful sinful situations. So in this model prayer, there's worship and praise and provision and confession and protection. And may we be praying to our God and our Savior, maintaining our fellowship. So what have we seen this morning? Jesus comes to the home of Martha and Mary, and Mary's listening, and Martha's serving. Martha gets upset, but Jesus said, Listen, listening's better. you got to take in before you give out. you got to know me before you can make me known. Then the disciples ask him, Teach us how to pray, and he gives this prayer, which contains worship and praise and provision, confession and protection. Well, let me give you some applications. The first one is, let's know Jesus Christ so that we can serve him, realize that we must spend time with him, so that we can know him so that we can be ready and able to serve, as Mary was listening and Martha was serving, jesus said really it's better to 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 listen and to know, and then you serve so a let 's begin to know our Savior, go to the Word of God, have your quiet time, your prayer, bible study, do it b Grow in knowing His Word. Know the truths of God's Word. And you may do that by getting in small groups or your own quiet time, your study time, your CBI, opportunities at church, whatever there. So grow in the grace of knowledge of our Savior. And C, serve Him. Use the gifts, talents, and ability that God has given to you so you can serve Him. And I don't know. Do I have anything under that? I don't think I do. do I, I don't. Okay, think about it. As we get in, we can give out. As we know Him, we can make Him known. As we gain, we'll be able to give. That takes us to the second thing, and that's, let's be faithful in prayer. Let's do it. What do you do? A, come to the Father. That's what he said, come to the Father. We have this eternal relationship with him. We're children of God, and we can say, Abba, Father. B, follow the model Jesus taught. It's worship, I think we've got it right there. It's worship, and praise, and provision, and confession, and protection. All of those things we can lift up anytime, any place, anywhere. And they said, Well, how do we pray? He said, Here's a here's a pattern, here's the way. When you go to the Father, say this. We're gonna see next week that we continue. And he talks more about prayer. And he talks about being bold when you pray. And he talks about keeping on praying and not quitting. We'll see that next week. May we be faithful in prayer, knowing our God and Savior. So we'll be able to serve Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great, great morning. Thank you for this passage. Lord, we want to know you so that we can serve you. And Lord, I pray that each one of us in this room will make sure that we we have time with you daily, that we'll grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. We'll have our quiet times. We'll have Bible study. We'll, we'll come to church. We'll learn the Word. We'll know things so that we can be prepared and equipped to know you and then serve you. So Lord, we know that we've got to get in before we give out. We've got to receive before we give out to others. We've got to know you before we can make you known. And Lord, we want to do that. So may we make as a priority our time with you so that we can be ready and able to make you known to other people Lord, we want to be faithful in prayer we want to come boldly into the throne of grace we want to come to our heavenly father in the name of the son and the power of the holy spirit and lord thank you that we worship you and we praise you and we can ask for provision and we can confess our sins and you protect us lord we come to you anytime any place anywhere about anything thank you lord we ask this in jesus name Amen.